Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Change is a massive topic that we are going to be looking at today and not everybody's friend. It's a little bit like salad. No one wants to make friends with salad. No one wants to make friends with change. So, welcome. I like to deliver these in a traditional counselling, a less formal way, but underpinned by the principles that I work with in my practice every day. And I am absolutely passionate about delivering good quality mental health. So, for those of you who don't know me, I am V Vincy. I am a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. I help you pinpoint confusion and chaos so you can achieve the clear, calm and confident life you want. Now, I cannot believe that we are coming to the end of an almost six-month set of topics that I outlined way back in March. There are 25 episodes to this series, which eventually I will be calling the Crazy COVID series, because in reality, when I started this, there was no title, there was no lead up, there was no marketing, because it wasn't in the plans. And you know what? That is what I love the most because this was a totally organic group and this makes me feel very proud and very privileged that you chose me. So big thanks. Now, that does not mean these are ending after six months. You're still stuck with me. I'm prepping another set of topics to keep the momentum up. But I really do need your help with this because otherwise it's just me talking for 30 minutes every week and, you know, about stuff that you may or may not want to know about. So give me some topics. There was a post a couple of weeks back asking for some topics. Nada. I got nada, people. Go in and go for gold. Make it an ask me anything comment. I'm happy to talk about anything. I mean, seriously, the crap that I talk about all day, you'd be surprised. Nothing's off the table. Let me know. In the meantime, to round out the year, I will be doing some topics on the lead up to the crazy Christmas time, which may or may not look different this year. Who the hell knows what it's going to look like? One thing I do know, Christmas isn't all it's cracked up to be for everyone, and this year will be no different. So we will have a look at how to deal with and or prepare for the upcoming season, uh, in particular family expectations, time management, and fitting in self-care. And if all else fails, I have a topic on how to overcome resentment, which should be a ripper. Um, I've got something in mind to round out the new year uh, in terms of New Year's resolutions and maybe find a far more different and useful approach than the old ones that we never seem to do anyway. So we should have some fun along the way. Now, back to tonight's topic. Specifically, what has to happen in our lives for us to make a change and how do we make it stick? So we've touched on change a few times over the last six months, specifically in the shadow ego discussions, which are episodes 14 and 15. So go back and have a look or a listen. In those topics, we looked at resistance, which is what can stop us from making a change. The problem with this strategy is when we resist life, it has a way of ramping up the challenge to force its hand. And there's a great little quote that says, if you don't change, change will find you. 
So change is the word that can strike fear into individuals and organisations for that matter. It's just a word. It's the thought of the word and what that word means to each of us that becomes a problem or an experience. The prime modality I utilise in my practice day to day is cognitive behaviour therapy or CBT, which is its short name. It works off the premise of changing behaviours by changing thinking. And why I have focused a big chunk of these topics on looking at unhelpful thinking. So essentially, this is what CBT looks like in layman's terms, right? Thought, feeling, action. You're going to do something. People come to me with a shitty feeling or a shitty behaviour. They've done something shit or they feel crap. But I know that it must start with thinking because that's the model, thought, feeling, action. So in this case, it's shitty thinking. If you've worked with me personally, you will know that I have a little mantra that goes like this. Shitty thinking will give you a shitty feeling and will help you contribute to a shitty behaviour. I help you identify the feeling and help you manage the behaviour by applying a number of techniques or give you a set of tools depending on the degree of it. But what do you think is the easiest thing to change? And I know no one's going to answer me. So a thought is a difficult thing to change. An emotion is the hardest thing to change. Actions are the easiest things to change. By doing something different, we alter our state of being. Actions are the key to change. So, for example, if we think work is boring, stupid or uninspiring, we will have a feeling to match that. It's not going to be a pretty feeling. If we think our partners are unappreciative, then we're going to have a feeling to match that. If we think we are fat, then we are going to have a feeling to match that. If we think nothing will ever change, then we have a feeling to match that. And guess what? It's really hard to change the thought or the feeling if nothing has changed. So it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle. So tonight I want to talk about action. And effectively, this is what I want you to look at and undertake. Because we often confuse action with its negative cousin, change. But by taking action, we can both change a thought and a feeling. And by default, the behaviour changes simply because we make the first step. So even though via our lives, these lives, we have looked at both the thoughts and feelings. We cannot be confident that things will change. It's the doing that can make the changes. You can sit here and listen to me and tune in every Wednesday night and I love it. But if you do nothing, nothing's going to freaking change. And this is where it gets interesting and becomes a catch-22. Because sometimes we just keep doing the very thing that limits us. Sometimes we don't know it's limiting us and sometimes we want to know, um, sometimes we don't know it's limiting, but sometimes we do. And another famous quote by Einstein says, the very definition of madness is continue to do what you have always done and expect different results. Crazy town. Therefore, if something is not working, the only way to get a better result is for you to change something. That sounds too simple, right? Because if something isn't working for you, change it. Really? Well, yes and no. The theory is simple. Change the situation, number one. Can you change the situation? Number two, change how you view the situation. Number three, walk away from the things that are not acceptable. 
So why don't we? I wonder if you actually already know the answer to this because I've talked quite a bit about it and it's the one thing that will stop us in our tracks, fear. Fear of not knowing what's on the other side and sometimes fear of knowing what is on the other side. Yes, a double-edged sword. Change scares us. We have been taught to fear changes. We haven't been taught to change things, but rather to deal with them. And that doesn't help us sometimes. And we've been worrying ever since we were little about making people angry or disappointed. And these are worries that negatively affect us and are not beneficial for us at all. Now, not worrying excessively doesn't imply that we're free of worry, but it does mean that we should learn not to give it as much importance as we currently are. So many of the worries that currently consume us can often be trivial. So you've got to ask yourself, do they really deserve all of your attention? Because if everybody else doesn't give them their full attention, maybe you don't need to either. It's incredible how much of your life can change when you decide to change how you think. And there are many things that have been instilled in us from childhood, considerations that torment us when we become adults because something simply is not working. What do you not like about your life? Maybe it's something external like certain friendships or jobs, or something that you think is not within your power to change. And maybe that's true, but you can do so indirectly. The biggest key I think for me is that it needs to be in the order that I gave you above. So let me repeat the theory. One, change the situation. Two, change how you view the situation. Or three, walk away from the things that are not acceptable. You need to place this sentence after each point. If that doesn't work, then. So you start with change the situation. Now, a lot of people get to there and go, well, I can't change the situation. This is bullshit. I'm not doing it. That's it. And often they go straight to walk away. Or they sit and deal with it and they sit in the crap and they hate it anyway. They hate themselves rather than the other people. What you don't do is go to number two. Can I change how I view the situation? And there is the power for everyone because that is probably one of the only things that is truly in your control. And that is all about thinking. So if you imagine for a second that you don't like a certain person, I don't think it's going to be that hard to imagine really, the first step is to recognise your unhappiness about it. Now, this might seem like a silly statement, but often we don't become unhappy about a situation with a person for a while. We can let things slide. We give most people the benefit of, uh, the, benefit of the doubt, which is a great thing. What starts to happen is that we begin to complain more and either more about the person or the situation. And it's at this point that you have to recognize that you are unhappy about it because otherwise you won't recognize um, and begin to look at the list above. Now, maybe you're just dealing with a manipulative person or maybe it's simply someone whose personality isn't compatible with you. Either way, you don't like it and you're not happy with the situation. And now the questions begin. Can I change the situation? or the person in the situation? If not, can I change the way I view it? If not, walk away from, not is, from what is not acceptable to you. And here's a little kicker. If it keeps happening, go to step two and ask yourself, do I need to change the way I view it? How can I change it? 
And yes, I hear the expletive screaming at me from beyond the screen. What if nothing can be changed? Well, if something can't be changed, someone can. And guess who? It's not your painful husband, your mother or your boss. It's you. You can. Because we often look for a logical external thing to change. But what if it isn't an external thing that needs to be changed? What if it's internal? Why do we not logically look inside? Well, the answer to that is mostly that it's never been a part of society to look in. And it certainly isn't looked on as logical. In fact, this type of internal work still has a stigma attached to it and can be extreme in their approaches. So for example, it can be all cognitive with no connection to the client and then it can swing so far the other way that there's crystals everywhere and no grounding with theory or science-based evidence. Now I'm not saying you need to stop doing whatever is not working. What I am saying is you need to start looking. We need to look at adaptation rather than completely opposite behavior and that means look at everything across the board and decide what's not working and what is working and adapt it to your perfect formula. I heard a little saying that says, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because the opposite of, if you do exactly the opposite of what you've been doing, sometimes it can get rid of the good stuff and we don't want to get rid of that. Sometimes we can't see the habits we have formed right away. So what other invisible habits do you have and what other limitations are you putting on yourself? What are you trying for the umpteenth time that has not worked before and really you should not expect to work this time? Why are you expecting it to work? Can you change? You know, for me, change is tough too. What I do seem to do well is embrace it quickly, but it is still frightening. The difficulty comes when we have trouble recognising the need for change, making the change and embracing it. So let me sum this up for you simply. If it's not working, change your approach and get on the right track. So what's the right track? The right track is the one where you are happy and content with yourself, where you have found your own formula for inner balance. It's not the same for everyone. And that's why sometimes in order to find it, we have to change. So how can we change the things that we don't like whatever they may be well change takes time but you can follow some tips because they'll help you get rid of uh, the fear of change and finally be content with everything and everyone so remember those who change find success Richard Attenborough had an incredible quote at the beginning of crazy COVID it will not be the survival of the biggest or the fittest survival will be for those who adapt the quickest that is internal success. I'm not talking about external success. You want to have external success, knock yourself out. But generally, external success has to have a level of internal success. It's the perfect balance for your life. Not your mums, not your dads, not your sisters, not Mary down the road. It's yours. So while the people who adapt to change quickly find success, they also fear that their choice will lead them to failure. They are afraid to overcome the old saying, better the devil you know than the one you don't. But the difference is they take a risk and risk takes courage. Change is about taking a risk and showing courage. So use uncertainty to motivate you. I've talked about this extensively. Mastering uncertainty or self-doubt is a superpower. 
So many times uncertainty demotivates us. And if you can't make yourself think that what's up ahead is even better than thinking about staying where you are, then you're going to have a problem. What, when that becomes worse than the path ahead, then you are ready to look at change. Next, whatever happens, accept it. Be it good or bad, everything changed. Every action will have its consequence, but no matter what they are, accept them. It was your choice and you need to be consistent with it and all of the choices you make in life. But you have to be proud of having made it. It's better to be active than passive when faced with circumstances because that means you're alive. Make the change little by little. This is so important. Apart from the fact that for change to be really successful, it takes the amount of time, small changes make it more solid. So they should be progressive. They need to be well thought out and calm. It doesn't do anybody good to rush them. It's normal to be scared. It's so normal that you should accept it, but not let it control you. You must be strong enough to overcome the fear, to confront it and determine what really matters here because otherwise fear will outweigh what you really, really want. Now, I mentioned this one earlier. If you don't change, change will find you. Because even if you don't want to see it, you're constantly changing. Friends change, um, your friends change, your situation changes, and sometimes these changes aren't within your control. You don't choose them. They just come and you have to accept, accept them. I call it the shit stick. Sometimes you get hit with the shit stick. It's awful. Living in a situation that isn't pleasant for you makes your character slowly become negative. So think about that. So there are all the majorly negative Nancys out there. You've got to look, what am I living that has slowly made me become negative to life? Now, how do you know when something isn't working? You waste your time and energy worrying about it, number one. You waste other people's time and energy complaining about it. You can feel the following, frustrated, impatient, resentful, angry, lonely, hopeless, defensive, insecure, empty, uncertain, lost, anxious. Now, I love that you made the change, Lee. Well done. It's it's awesome. This is and that's what and yeah, I bet you that was scary. All those feelings I just mentioned. Of course, they are normal feelings that we all have. When we're talking about are you feeling it and noticing it when it's not working to you, it's when you're feeling it all the time. Work off the 80-20 rule. If 80% of your life is frustrating, you're impatient, resentful, you've got a problem. We need to flick it. 20%? If you've got 80% of your life that's going good and 20% with dickheads in it, you're doing well. You can manage that. But if it's flipped, you've got to make a change. Statements like this, oh, it must be nice for you to do that, or it isn't fair, or just my luck, or this always happens to me, you need to have a look at what you need to change. The pain of frustration, indecision, emptiness, and lack of fulfillment are warning signs, just like fever, aches, and fatigue are warning signs. You don't just pop a pill to mask the pain. You find the cause of the pain and you make a change. I mean, how do you even pop a pill for emptiness and frustration? Actually, I know the answer to that. You use things like drugs, alcohol, food, shopping, TV, work and technology. So how do you feel about change? Most people aren't big fans. 
In fact, most people would say that we avoid it. Even those times when you think the change would be welcome, like when you have a few extra kilos that you'd like to get rid of, you'll probably meet some resistance within yourself. Resistance is what I spoke of in the ego sessions, and re resistance disguises itself as my favourite old chestnut, self-sabotage and damaging thought patterns. And it's really hard to get rid of old habits. The way you think of yourself and your habits can be what really holds you back. And I often hear this in session, I don't know why I do it, it's just me, it's just who I am. Bullshit, this is resistance, this keeps you from change. We desperately wanted to be thinner or healthier. I want to continue eating way too much of the processed junk food that we're used to. We can't have it both ways. We know we need to change something, but we face resistance. Resistance is the thing that can push us if we push it. The truth is, is that if you want something to change, you have to change something. It seems obvious, but how many of us actually commit to making the change? If it's about diet, because this is the big one that we see, if it's about diet and we really want to change our eating habits, but we keep ordering pizza twice a week and forgetting to eat vegetables, well, you know, we're not going to change. We need to move forward with a plan because often there is no plan. Sometimes we never even decide to actually make a plan. We just wing it. One little change can start us on the path to real change. So if we each decided one thing to change, even just a little, then we'd all be in a better place. So change can take many forms. Sometimes we choose it and sometimes it just happens. There is actually a model of change that I work with in theory, um, and it's a theory of healthy behavior adoption and explains seven stages that we have to pass through when we change our behaviors and it provides insights where we need to intervene and move in on life okay our perception of change for example altering our diet or increasing exercise transforms over time so in the earlier stages we see more cons than pros Right? It seems this is never going to work, this is not going to, I'm never going to be able to do this. But over time, the balance shifts and we start to see increased benefits to those changes. So the model helps us understand not only the process which you can make, where you can make intentional changes, but also where support from yourself or others can help you. Now, I've put a graphic of this up. Uh, it will, it's either going to be there now or it's going to be up in the next few hours or tomorrow because it's a really interesting way to see it, okay? The first stage is actually outside of the circle. So the, the, the stages I've put into a circle, but there's two, there's two stages that are outside of the circle. The first one is called pre-contemplation. This is where you don't actually even recognize there's a need for change. And you sort of, why does this keep happening? I don't understand. It's also here that either someone, as in a loved one or another important person, tells you that they what they think is wrong. The old blind spot concept. So you either agree or disagree. If you agree, then you move into stage two. If you don't, then you just stay where you are in stage one. People come to me in pre-contemplation stage and they're like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why this is happening. And what I have to do is get them to start to go into stage two, which is contemplation stage, which says you become aware that something needs to change and you seriously consider the need. But people can get stuck here not knowing what to do next. 
So it's at this point, if you ask for external help, you will move into stage three, or you can go back to stage one. However, once you have seen a need, you will go in and out of stage one and stage two because you can't unsee what you've seen. And it's here that people get stuck in what we call analysis paralysis. They go, I know I need to change, but I don't know what to do. I know I need to change, but I don't know what to do. So we can get stuck there. If you're working with me or someone like me, we get you to become aware of the change. We go, great, what are you going to do? How are you going to go? So this is the next stage is called preparation. It's where we look at discussing, uh, discussing small changes. You decide to do small changes. And I call this a bit of a beta phase testing. So at this point, you can go backwards in between three and four because number four is action. And this is where the gold happens. But if I go back to prep, you can get stuck here where sometimes you try to implement something and it doesn't work, so you get deflated. But I always say to people, hang on a minute, look at this as beta testing. Testing means that we've got to find does it work for you or not? Because if you get stuck here, you can go in and out of all three of the stages. And this is often where dieting gets stuck, depending on the changes. Are they small and achievable? Have they been tested to fit with the lifestyle of the person? Because if not, they become unmanageable and the whole process starts over again. Number four is the action stage. And this is where the gold happens. And once you've prepped your plan and you know what you're doing and you begin to implement, this is gold. This stage, however, needs to be for a period of at least six months of consistent change across the board, mentally, physically, and emotionally, to be able to move to stage five successfully. Stage five is called maintenance. It will ideally look exactly the same as action because it's the regular and consistent changes that have now become habits, lasting longer than six months. At this point, you can move straight to stage seven. However, if you fall off the bandwagon, you go into stage six, which is called relapse. Now, depending on the change you are making will depend on how quickly you can readjust and set the habits. This is not a failure, although we tend to hear this word as a failure because it's often attached to drugs and alcohol. It's not so much the relapse, but the degree of the addiction and the time it takes to restart the cycle that becomes the biggest issue. So, if you are in relapse and you recognize and you go, shit, I've fallen off the wagon. And if you apply this to dieting, which is the one most people relate to, they have had a blowout on the weekend and then they go, oh, and they feel let down and they realize they've done the wrong thing. Now, I don't like to say wrong thing, but wrong thing for what their plan of action is at that point in time. The more they sit in wallowing in the self-hatred of relapse, the longer they will be in relapse and the more chances is that they're going to go straight back out of the circle and not know what to do and they'll start again. And this is where we see people go from Weight Watchers to Drenny Craig to this to that. They start new programs each time. Relapse, if you can recognize that you're in relapse and head straight up in back into preparation and go, shit, what do I need to do again and get straight back into action? You haven't failed. You've just had a hiccup and you can go around.
and you will stay but you've got to go back into action you keep your consistent action up and your maintenance the last part of the cycle is called termination now this is not where you terminate yourself or anything else it's where the cycle doesn't exist anymore it's just a new way of life and a before and an after an old and a new it's more of a destination rather than an end state and at this point whether you're bored, depressed, or angry, or anything, you are unlikely to return to the former way of coping. Now, I didn't make this shit up. This is actually a model that we are taught in theory. And the interesting is, is they must be in that order. You can't, if you go back, you've got to go backwards and you've got to go through the cycle again. It doesn't mean you will be in it for as long, but it must go through the processes for change to be impactful and long term now there are many factors that impact um, a person's ability to change right the biggest factor successful change requires you to believe that the benefits outweigh the negatives that's it that's the biggest factor that will help with success of change so a take-home message at times we lose our way we don't always eat well exercise regularly drink enough water take time to learn or put our mobile phone down and spend time with family and friends we need to change but often we're unaware or we're ill-informed about what's wrong or don't know how to begin the process understanding the steps to change is a great place to start and where the model can help it offers us an insight into the journey so we must take to move from where we are now to where we want to be by describing a useful abstract of what is going on when we talk about change. So knowing where you are in the stages can help you either move into a different action phase or give you an answer as to why you're not making a change. One of the biggest statements I use with myself, with my clients is, that I need to meet them where they are. So if you're in stage one, I'll meet you at stage one. I will work with resistance. Working with resistance helps people move forward faster than berating behavior. All right, so you've got to ask yourself, what do I want to change? Am I ready to start? What stage am I at? Okay, they're really big questions. And this is why there was time put into this one. And, I'm, and, and it's still going to be, what do I want to change? Am I ready to start? Because if you're not ready to start, then we've got to prep. You've got to prep. Well, what do I want to change? You go back to the number one. What stage am I at? Really, really important. And Yad says, change is good for the soul. And she's dead right change it feeds the soul if you think if a flower never changed well it, it it has to die it has to change to become new again it's got to do that change process do you think it wants to grow and be beautiful and then die none of us do so it means we change the way we want to be in our lives to keep us feeding our soul okay good i always go a little bit over because they're big topics what can i do you know so I'm going to repeat, send me topics because otherwise I'm just going to be talking about the shit that I want to talk about. Could be fun, maybe terrible. So next week, I can't even remember what the topic is for next week, but I'm sure it'll be a ripper. We'll, I'll remind you and we'll set out a little thing. So I hope this was helpful. 
um, have a look and, and you know what, send me some messages to tell me what do you want to change? Random things, I don't care. What is it? I don't care if you want to change your bloody undies. Just send me something out. All right, you guys are awesome. Thanks. Catch you, love your work. See you next week.